the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No law is just. No governmental policy is just. No parental requirement is just. No policy of the church is just. If it is not consistent with the law of God that is in God's heart and that is written in black, in white, in Scripture. No justice, no peace. And that is K-N-O-W on both counts. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today, we turn our attention to Psalm 9. It's here that we get a full understanding of God's sovereign rule and reign over all He's created, including the current world we live in. And that is saying a lot. Please join us for this very timely look at Psalm 9. In light of all that swirls around us, it's good to be reminded of just who God is and how sovereign He really is over all of His creation. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner, today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. I want to address the riots, the looting, and all the chaos in so many cities across America and look at it from a biblical perspective. I trust you noticed the title of my sermon, and if you have been watching the news, you've seen in every one of these riots and demonstrations across America, in all of these cities, people holding up signs that say, no justice, no peace. Of course, I mean the opposite of what they mean. You've got to understand that words are powerful things. And just because words can be said powerfully and emotionally does not mean they are true. Nor do they mean the same thing that we as Christians mean by them. I want to recommend two sermons to you, and I think you should probably write these down. And you can find these on sermonaudio.com. And if you would, over the next couple of days... Gather around your family and listen to these. You might even be able to find them on YouTube. I'm not sure. One is called Cultural Marxism, and the other is called Defining Social Justice. These sermons are by an excellent preacher by the name of Vodi Bakum. Be sure to take the time to listen to these two outstanding sermons. You won't be sorry. They are articulate, and they are clear. So please, pay attention, take notes, and quiz your children on them, because that is how important these messages are. Now, what do these people today who are burning down our cities mean by peace and justice? Justice for them is the removal of the patriarchal hegemony, that is the power structure of the United States, comprised largely through the years of Europeans 
who want to build on a Christian base. The rioting thugs want to remove that power structure and cause the various minorities in the United States to experience the redistribution of wealth and power so that the wealth that was supposedly unjustly made by these Europeans can justly, in quotes, be given to those who didn't earn it by the forced redistribution of wealth. That is what justice is to them. Peace is when they remove entirely the Christian base. They speak of capitalism, but there would be no capitalism without Christianity. And what you see out there is not about racism. When you see people burning the businesses of those of the same race, when you read about hundreds of black babies being aborted every day, black lives do not matter. No lives matter to these people. It is only the exaltation of various groups and the destruction of the group in power. Karl Marx died in 1883, and I'm sure you know about him. He believed that capitalism and its age would eventually collapse. There would be a conflict between the ruling classes known as the bourgeoisie and the working classes known as the proletariat. And out of that would come a revolution and the creation of a communist world. Many of Marx's followers were confused as to why the communist revolution never took root in the West. So some Italian and German scholars came up with some reasons as to why. They said it is because of those in power, those dirty rats, they keep everyone else suppressed. Those in power, largely Europeans more or less, wanted to build on a historic Christian base where all of the various minorities are kept in check. So these various so-called intellectuals said, came up with something called social justice. Which, by the way, I hope you know there is no such thing. Social justice has nothing to do with justice. Beloved, don't ever use that term. Social justice is about the forced redistribution of the wealth and the power from those who worked for the wealth and exercised the power to those who are allegedly oppressed. And much of the narrative of social justice, like Black Lives Matter, has an agenda that is aimed at the destruction of the things you believe as Christians and not merely just as Europeans. Don't sympathize with BLM because then you are a racist. Then there is Antifa. These are organizations that are committed to the destruction of the last remnants of a Christian nation in this country. The early Italians I mentioned said, let's bring along our destructive ideals gradually. And let's aim first of all at those who wear robes. And boy, did they do that. Think for a minute, who are those who wear robes in Western culture? Judges, preachers, professors, politicians, 
let's go after those who wear robes. Let's go after what people are hearing and what preachers are saying and what teachers say. And let's cause judges to be convinced of our ideals. Then secondly, we've got to capture the media. We've got to make sure that the news the people listen to in each country continually blasts our agenda at them, making it seem as if it is true and, of course, the best path to follow, and, of, and which is, of course, contrary to Christianity. Then gradually, gradually, we will capture America. But some radicals in our time are tired of waiting. So now they're turning to violence and wickedness in American cities. And do you at this point see, think you're seeing an end to this? An end to the looting and burning? Well, understand who the looters are. They are anti-Christian, and most of these people have no idea what they are really there for. But the people who call the shots, the people who organize, the people who finance all of the chaos are using all of these people as pawns to accomplish their purposes. And it will not end until they say so. They think they have been honoring the low-life black man, George Floyd, who died while in police custody. Some of these people don't even know his name. There are all kinds of reasons these people are violently protesting in American streets, but they're all being motivated, moved, and manipulated to burn down America and to rebuild it based on socialist ideas. You see, at the heart of Marxism is that there is a struggle in life. You have one situation and then another situation opposed to the first, a thesis and an antithesis. And there must be a way of turning both of those into a synthesis, which they believe can only be accomplished by a bloody revolution. Now, I don't want to scare you, but I don't want you to be naive either. None of this keeps me awake at night because I know that God is in control, and I hope that is the way you are looking at this as well. So today I want us to evaluate what is going on in the light of Psalm 9. Psalm 9 is about peace and justice and righteousness. And it will definitely help you to think as a Christian on all of these subjects. Remember, social justice is not justice. It has nothing to do with justice. It has to do with the forced redistribution of wealth and power for those who have to the have-nots. Cultural Marxism, which is behind all of what is going on in our cities, streets, is that which was created in the early part of the 20th century because these people were concerned that the revolution they so desired had not yet come to America. Now, there are three words I want to explain that are used in Psalm 9 before I expound the psalm. Those are the words afflicted, righteousness, and justice. Several times throughout the Old Testament, you have God talking about those being afflicted, oppressed, poor people that 
he's going to take the side of. And out of that, without really considering what the Bible actually means, these socialists and communists grab on to this, as well as social justice warriors, and they say, well, this means that God is for all the poor, that God is for the poor people everywhere, and he's against the rich. Although some of the greatest men in the Bible were rich, like Abraham and David. But God is for all the poor. Whoever you are, poor and oppressed, God is for you. No, he is not. That is not the teaching of the word of God. The Bible does not say that God is for all poor, all afflicted, all oppressed people. Whenever in the Old Testament you see the word poor, afflicted, or oppressed in your own mind, put before that the word His, H-I-S. God is for His poor people. God is for His oppressed people. God is for His afflicted people. And our text even says who these people are. They are people who trust in Him but are being abused at the hands of the world. So God is for his poor people who are being mistreated by the wicked people of the world. Beloved, don't buy into the Marxist class conflict idea that God is for all poor people or what he is for or that he is for all the rich either. Now, the other two words are the two great important words of this chapter. They're translated in our English text, righteousness and justice or judgment. And let's look at the verses where these occur in our text. Verse 4, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. Verse 7, but the Lord sits as king, as it does say in Hebrews, forever. He has established his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. So these two words are brought together here in our text. And let's look how they are brought together throughout the book of Psalms. And I'm only going to address a couple of verses here. We see in Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Psalm 97, verses 1 and 2. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice or judgment are the foundations of his throne. So you see those words are brought together throughout the psalm. They are very important words. We are not just making some kind of irrelevant distinction between the two. We're not just talking about semantics. We're talking about two perfections in God that are manifested in the life of man. Righteousness and justice or judgment, to keep them distinct, the rest of this sermon, I'm going to translate justice in English as judgment. Our English versions switch them around. Sometimes they call justice righteousness, and sometimes they use judgment in the place of justice. But they are two Hebrew words that are clearly distinguished, but inseparable from one another. 
What about the word righteousness? Righteousness is the Hebrew word sedek, S-E-D-E-K. And to say that God is righteous in Hebrew is to say he never acts out of character. You can always trust him. He's always reliable. He will never do anything contrary to his holy, morally perfect character. Sedek literally means to be in strict accordance with a standard. Now, when you think about it, how can that be said about God? Because he's not accountable to any standard. There is no standard of law outside of him to which he must submit. There are no moral absolutes outside of him that he must obey. No laws of logic, no laws of morality. There is nothing outside of God that he is accountable to, but there is a law in the heart of God, and that is his holy, morally perfect character. And he loves that holy character, and he never acts out of cord with that character. He is always consistent with it. He always lives and acts in accordance with it. He is not accountable to you or me. He's not accountable to any standard or law outside of him. But he does love that law in his heart, which is himself and his own morally perfect character. Have you ever noticed in the Old Testament, like especially in Psalm 119, where God's law is called testimonies? Well, one of the reasons they are called testimonies is because they testify to God's character. The law of God is the transcript of God's holiness and character. If you want to know what God's character is like in black and white, read his law in the Bible as a testimony to the law that is in his heart. And there is no higher standard. No higher authority, no higher law in all of creation than that law that is in the heart of God, that holy character of God by which he judges everything in his creation. And that law in the Bible is a description, a written black and white description of God's character, just like Jesus is a revelation of God's character in flesh and blood. You want to read what God is like in the Bible? Read His law. Do you want to see what God is like and how He is holy and righteous? Look at Jesus. Because in Jesus you have the incarnation of God's righteousness. So we are dealing with a fundamental issue of the Scripture. No law is just. No governmental policy is just. No parental requirement is just. No policy of the church is just. If it is not consistent with the law of God that is in God's heart and that is written in black and white in Scripture. And that is why justice will not be found in America yet. Not until citizens and politicians realize there is no such thing as justice outside the law of God. That justice is an empty and arbitrary word without God. 
The redistribution of wealth from the haves to the has not is just that. It is nothing. It is impossible for a judge to render a just decision or a politician to make a just law or to deal properly with the various situations such as racism that are in the world today justly without the written revelation of the character of God found in God's law. There's a great bumper sticker that, bumper sticker that says, God's law or chaos. And if you don't think that is true, my friends, you are not paying attention to the news. So you see how fundamental these things are. God's righteousness means ascetic. He never acts out of character. He always acts in accord with his own holy, perfect nature, the law that is in his heart. His law in the Bible is written revelation of that law and that holy character, and Jesus Christ is the incarnation of it. So, the Republicans have no answer to what's going on today. The Republicans have no answer to the riots, and of course neither do the Democrats, and you probably already know that. But there is no Republican who comes close to it except the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, who said recently in public press conference, quote, our only hope for America is for Americans to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It took a moment of courage to say that, but he definitely is moving in the right direction. We just need more of him. All right, righteousness, setting. Act in accordance with character and according to the standard of God's heart. Then the word just judgment or justice. And beloved, that word is pregnant with meaning. In Hebrew, the word is mispat, M-I-S-H-P-A-T. And there are four elements to God's judgment. These are important, so I would suggest that you write these down. When you see the word judging or judgment in Scripture, think of these four words. And these all come out of this word judgment, which is perfection of God. Discrimination, vindication, destruction, and salvation. Let me say them again. Discrimination, vindication, destruction, and salvation. Do you see what I mean by saying that this word is quite pregnant with meaning? All of these elements are in that Hebrew word for judgment. Discrimination. God discriminates. God is never neutral. He distinguishes between good and evil. He hates evil and loves good. Everything in him rises up to discriminate against evil wherever it occurs. Either against the looters in the street or the looters in Congress. He hates all evil and he discriminates against it. And he discriminates for all that is good. God loves good actions. He loves good people. Of course, he's got to make them good first, right? So God, first of all, discriminates in judgment. He distinguishes between evil and good, and he discriminates against evil and for 
good. Second word, vindicate. God is at work right now in human history vindicating himself and anything that he has established that is being assaulted by depraved man. If the church is under assault, God will vindicate his church. If a godly state is under assault, God will vindicate a godly state. If you, a godly family or a godly person, are under assault, God will vindicate you and he will vindicate himself. We've learned this from Revelation. He destroys all of his enemies. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.